Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Mideastern culture as we pick up in Job chapter 13, verse 24. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. It's interesting, you, you see people talking and you think surely there's going to be a fist fight any minute now because they're just standing there yelling. I think even the language sounds vicious, you know. You don't understand what they're saying, but they're just standing there yelling, but they not only yell, they shake their heads, they shake their hands, and you know, and they're just all full of, of gestures and gyrations. And, and so this is, what, this is the way these things are going on with Job. And, and so when Job gets to this point, he said, just show me my name. They go, oh. Uh, and, and so Job says, why are you hiding your face? You know. <laughs> A little later on, he'll speak of other gestures that are being, you know, demonstrated. So to get a full mental picture, you've got to see this thing with a bunch of actions and yelling and, and all. They're not just talking to each other. They're yelling at each other, these accusations and all. And, and this is really a lively interchange that is going on here full of all kinds of <gasps> covering their mouth. And the little word down is... <laughs> <laughs> And Job speaks of these, of these actions, that these, you know, phony actions. Oh, no, you know, and, and all of this. So uh, here Job said, why are you hiding your face? Why do you hold me for your enemy? <laughs> Will you break a leaf that is driven to and fro? Will you pursue the dry stubble? For you write bitter things against me, and you make me to possess the iniquities of my youth. You put my feet also in the stocks and look narrowly unto all my paths, and you set a print upon the heels of my feet. As he as a rotten thing consumeth as a garment that is a moth eaten. Man that is born of a woman is of a few days. He's full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and is cut down. He flees also as a shadow or the shadow on the sundial and continues not. Oh, what a pessimistic kind of view of life. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Cheer up. <laughs> It'll soon be over. <laughs> you're a, full, a few days, but it's full of trouble. Like a flower, you blossom out, but then you're cut down. Like the declining shadow on the sundial, you're soon off into oblivion. You cease to exist. And do you open your eyes upon such a one who bring me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as a hireling his day. Job is really here sort of speaking to God now. For there is hope of a tree if it is cut down that will sprout again as a tender branch. Thereof it will not cease. 
Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Now Job says, there is no hope for man. He's cut down and that's it. That's the end. Now even for a tree there's hope. If you cut a tree off, it may spring up again out of the trunk or out of the roots. There's hope for a tree that it might bud forth again even if it's cut down. But for man, there's no hope. You cease to exist. You're cut off, and that's it. But man dies and wastes away. Yea, man gives up the ghost, and where is he? As the waters fail from the sea and the flood decays and dries up, so man lies down and rises not till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. Oh, Job said that it was just all over, that I would go into that oblivion. Now, again, we must remember that Job is speaking not divinely inspired truths. The things that Job are saying about death cannot be taken for doctrinal truth. This is Job talking. This is Job talking out of his own limited knowledge and understanding. This is Job expressing his own ideas of what death is, not what God's truth is about death, but what his own ideas are about death. And the Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, and others have made a tragic mistake in turning to the book of Job for their proof text for the soul sleep doctrines. In the 38th chapter, when God comes on the scene and God begins to question Job, the first thing that God says is, who is this who darkeneth with words of counsel without wisdom or without knowledge? All you guys talking all these things and you don't know what you're talking about. Then God said to Job, okay, gird yourself up. I'll ask you a few questions. You, you think you've got the answers? Let me ask you a few questions. Number one, have you been beyond the gates of death? You know what's there? You've been talking about death. Oh, death, come, you know. Hide me in oblivion and all. There I'll be, I'll know nothing. There everything is silent and all. Hey, have you been there? Do you know what's going on there? And God rebuked him for the statements that he was making concerning death because he didn't know anything about it. And thus it is absolutely wrong to go to the book of Job to find scripture proof text for soul sleep. Job then in verse 14 cried out, if a man dies, does he go on living? Now this is one of the basic questions that lies deep underneath a lot of crud in all of our lives. When you get right down to basic issues, when you get right down to the bottom line, 
What are the really important things? Surely it isn't what you take in your lunch pail for lunch tomorrow or what shoes shall you wear or what suit shall you wear to work. The really important things are questions like Job is asking now. And these are the questions that are deep down in every man. And when someone who is close to you dies, it becomes very important to you. If a man dies, does he go on living? Or is death the end? Is death the final chapter? Is the book closed and it is, is it all over when a man dies? Is that the end? Or does he go on living? Is there a dimension or sphere where life continues? Is there a continuation of life after death? Jesus answered this question of Job. Up until the time of Jesus, there was no adequate answer. It was just a burning question. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he who lives and believes in me shall never die. If a man dies, does he go on living? Jesus said, absolutely yes. If he lives and believes in me, he'll never die. He goes on living. It's in another sphere. It's in another dimension, but life continues. Life does not end. You experience a metamorphosis. You move out of your tent, this earthly tent, your body, and you move into the building of God, not made with hands, that is eternal in the heavens. For As long as we are at home in this body, living in this body, we are absent from the Lord. But he said, I would choose rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. We know that when the earthly tent, our body is dissolved, we have a building of God, not made with hands, eternal in heaven. So we who are in this body do often groan, earnestly desiring to be freed, not to be an unembodied spirit, but to be clothed upon with the body which is from heaven. So, if a man dies, yes, he does go on living in a new form, a new body. They're in the presence of God. All the days of my appointed time, Job said, will I wait till the change comes? A little glimmer of hope in a question, but then he goes right back into despair. Thou shalt call, I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to work of thy hands. For now thou numberest my steps. Dost thou not watch over my sin? My transgression is sealed up in a bag. They sow up my iniquity. And surely the mountain falling cometh to nothing, and the rock is removed out of his place. The waters wear down the stones, and they wash away the things which grew out of the dust of the earth, and you destroy the hope of man. You prevail forever against him, and he passes You change his countenance and send him away. His sons come to honor, and he doesn't even know it. They are brought low, but he perceives not of them. But his flesh upon him shall have pain, and his soul within him shall mourn. Now at this point, Eliphaz, who was the first friend of Job's to speak, speaks for the second time. And he claims that he is older than Job, more experienced than Job. And... uh, Thus, Job ought to listen to him. Then answered Eliphaz, 
and said, the Timonite, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Job, you're just a big bag of wind, man. Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches whereof he can do no good? Yea, you cast off fear and restrain prayer before God. For your mouth utters your iniquity, and you choose the tongue of the crafty. Your own mouth condemns you, not I. Yea, your own lips are testifying against you. Are you the first man that was ever born, or were you made before the hills? Have you heard the secret of God? Do you restrain wisdom to yourself? What do you know that we don't know? What do you understand which is not in us? With us is the gray-headed and the very aged man, much older than your father. And the consolations of God, are the consolations of God small with thee? Is there any secret thing? With thee are the consolations. In other words, we've been giving you God's advice, man. Is it just nothing to you? You know, oh, help. Why does your heart carry thee away? What are your eyes winking at? Job, what sin are you just sort of closing your eyes to? That you turn your spirit against God and let such words go out of your mouth. What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous. Behold, God puts no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man who drinks iniquity like water. I will show you, hear me, that which I have seen. And I will declare, which wise men have told from their fathers and not hid it. Okay, here are the traditions now. These are the truths that are passed down from the fathers to their sons and all unto whom alone the earth was given, and no stranger passed among them. The wicked man travaileth with pain all his days, and the number of years is hidden to the oppressor. A dreadful sound is in his ears. In prosperity the destroyer shall come upon him. So a man who experiences pain is surely wicked. A man who has been wiped out is a man who is guilty of sin. He believes not that he shall return out of the darkness. He is waited for of the sword. He wanders abroad for bread, saying, Where is it? And he knows the day of the darkness is ready at his hand. Trouble and anguish shall make him afraid, and they shall prevail against him as a king that is ready to battle. Because he... For he stretched out his hand against God. He strengthened himself against the Almighty. He runs upon him, even on his neck, and the thick bosses of his bucklers, because he covers his face with fatness and makes the callops of fat on his flanks. And he dwells in desolate cities and houses which no man inhabits, which are ready to become heaps. He shall not be rich, neither will his substance continue, neither shall he prolong the perfection thereof, Upon the earth he shall not depart out of the darkness, and the flame shall dry up his branches. By the breath of his mouth shall he go away. Let not him that is deceived trust in vanity, for vanity shall be his recompense. Job, you're deceiving yourself. You're trusting in emptiness, and emptiness will be the result, your reward. It shall be accomplished before his time. His branch shall not be green. 
He shall shake off his unripe grape as the vine and cast off his flower as the olive. For the congregation of the hypocrites shall be desolate and fire shall consume the tabernacles of bribery. They conceive mischief and bring forth emptiness and their belly prepares deceit. So uh, all of these things in a sense are accusations against Job. Job, you've been deceitful. Job, you've been lying. Job, you're a hypocrite. Job, you know, you're wicked. And these things are all happening to you because of your own iniquity. So Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. <laughs> shall empty words, now you've been talking about vanity, he said, shall empty words have an end? Or what emboldens you that you answer? I could also speak as you do if you were in my place. I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. So here now, visualize it when they're talking. They're just shaking their head and, and, and they do that. They just shake their head and yell at each other. And, and he said, hey, if I, if I were in your place and you were in my place, I could yell at you and shake my head at you too. You know, I mean, it's nothing to that. I could do it. But I would rather to strengthen you with my mouth and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. Though I speak, my grief is not assuaged. And though I forbear, what am I eased? If I'm quiet, you tell me to be quiet, I ought to be quiet. What good would it do? You guys will mouth off. But now he has made me weary. You have made me desolate, all my company. And you have filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me and my leanness rising up in me bears witness to my face. He tears me in his wrath, who hates me. He gnashes upon me with his teeth. My enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. So here they're talking through their teeth at him, and they're looking, you know, sharpening their eyes, squinting as they're looking at him and yelling in his face. And, oh, man, what a sight this must have been. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. God hath delivered me into the ungodly and turned me over into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease until you came. But he also has taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. Now he's referring to God again. His archers compass me round about. He cleaves my reins asunder. He cuts me in two. He does not spare. He pours out my gall upon the ground. He breaks me with a branch upon branch. He runs upon me like a giant. I have sewed sackcloth upon my skin and defiled my horn in the dust. My face is foul with weeping and my eyelids is the shadow of death. Not only for any injustice in my hands, also my prayer is pure. O earth, cover not Thou my blood, and let my cry have no place. Also now behold, my witness is in heaven, and my record is on high. Okay, my, God is my witness, is what he is saying. My record's on high. God has the records. My witness is there in heaven. I'm not going to try and justify myself before you guys. Think what you will of me. God knows the truth. It's comforting when we are misunderstood by others. Totally misunderstood sometimes. Our motivations are misread by others. 
Many times we are accused of things of which we are not at all guilty. Someone has totally misread our thought, our ideas, our motivations. They, they've imputed wicked, evil motivations to us when, that, when they weren't there. But my witness is in heaven. God knows the truth about me. And that's, to me, a comfort that, that God keeps the books. He knows the truth. He knows what's in my heart. He keeps the records. My friends scorn me, but my eye pours out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleads for his neighbor. Oh, that you would intercede for me, that you'd pray for me. I wonder why they hadn't thought of that. Here are their friends in trouble. Why didn't they come and pray, intercede for the guy? As one intercedes for his friends, instead of just heaping all kinds of abuse upon him. When a few years are come, I'm going to go the way from which I shall not return. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 13 through 16 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God bless you and keep His hand upon your life. May He watch over you daily. May the Lord give you strength for every trial and testing. And may you come to that place of a total reliance upon His strength, the acknowledging of your own weakness, the surrendering and the committing of yourself completely into His hands. And thus may your week be blessed and anointed by God. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. 
Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.